You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Welcome to the JCM Podcast Show. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Jessica. I'm Carissa. And we have with us, <laughs> quite in- excitingly, our new nutritional practitioner, Emma. Hey guys, how you going? We're pretty stoked <laughs> to um, do our next <laughs> podcast and it's a little bit of a bonus that we're throwing in yep. because we're wrapping it up with a package that we've just dropped on the blog. Mm-hmm. So we're talking all about mental health and its relationship back to overall wellness. So we wanted to bring Emil in for this one because she's crazy, crazy passionate, I would say. I'm just going to leave it in crazy. Oh, she's crazy. <laughs> she's crazy. I'm crazy and I'm crazy passionate. <laughs> you are crazy passionate about mm. it though, yeah? Yeah. So... Um, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in and I want to talk about that overall prevalence of mental mm-hmm. health that we're seeing within the clinic space. And I'd love to you to chat to everyone about no pressure <laughs> <laughs> from a clinical point of view, yeah. how often we see this with clients, whether they're coming in to work on mental health or whether they're coming in for other health conditions mm-hmm. and we're seeing it tied in. Yeah, definitely. Well, in practice, I, I feel like everybody these days has some sort of... Yeah, 100%. Like just something going on and whether it be that they're actually coming in for that mental health reason or it's something else, I feel that we need to still know about what's going on in terms of their mental health because it is it affects everything and especially with something you know, a treatment that we might be doing, which involves something like the gut and obviously diet. We look at a lot of diet and just knowing how their mental health is actually um, functioning at that point in time will really, it really influences how they actually follow the plan as well. Yeah. And how they come out of things. Absolutely. Progress through things. Mindset and mental health Mm. is so um, important in that way. But in terms of actual mental health, like conditions I guess so we see a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety and stress so those are the three Mm -hmm. big ones um, and they all really can play a part into each other Mm -hmm. Um, so it's not that one person's depressed and they don't have any anxiety or stress it's usually that they're all Mm. comorbid and they're all kind of playing a part in that person's um, mental health and in terms of what I guess we can do or what I look like what I look for when someone comes in is if they, so we treat the body and we treat, um, obviously we're not psychologists, so we don't do a lot of that behavioral stuff, but we do treat the body and we treat the, I guess, the underlying causes that might be throwing that person into a state of, you know, Mm. mental health dysfunction. So looking at um, things like the gut and hormones, neurotransmitter synthesis, and there's so many things that we can do and look at in terms of, from what that person's eating, making sure they're eating enough protein, for example, to, you know, make, make, make yeah, <laughs> break down to amino acids to make neurotransmitters to, you know, pass that. And actually, if they're eating a, a diet, that's great, um, but how their body's actually functioning. And there's yeah, so sure. much that comes under that. So whether it be um, 
that they, they come into the situation and their body's not functioning, it's not breaking down something properly, they're mm. not making certain chemicals or neurotransmitters properly. Um, and this is this can be due to genetic factors, it can be due to things that they were born with, um, which we can actually find out with lots of testing, but also it can be due to um, things that they have then acquired also over their life. So looking at things like stress and chronic, like mm. chronic stress, which can lead to chronic kind of anxiety problems, which then can lead to depression. So they all kind of happen at you know together but um often in this day and age stress is the precursor i guess mm, yeah, a lot sure. of the time yeah no that that's brilliant. such a brilliant summary it's like almost like yep done yep sitting here silently yeah, nodding, yep. nailing it emma <laughs> <laughs> but i think i think one of the really fascinating things in what you just explained is that from a nutritional point of view a lot of Mm. people don't understand or realize that nutrition is so vital Mm. for treating mental health so we we see it playing such an important role with our clients when they come in whether Mm. they're um, aware of that or not and I would say it's probably the lesser extent of people who would come in Um, aware of what's going on with their mental health and also people who would come in to see a nutritionist Mm. seeking advice purely for mental health because it's not something that people connect the dots on and I just think that's really important to point out because as you've just highlighted nutrition is so fundamental Mm. in that relationship back to our Mm. neurotransmitter function whether it be directly which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go through or indirectly mm. through those other processes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So important. Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit a bit more about that. So that relationship in general, because we can think about mental health in regards to just specifically things like our serotonin production mm. and our feel-good, happy thoughts and we can think about it from dopamine production and feeling good in in that respect um which certainly is important but there's also the fundamental relationship back to what's happening in our digestive tract Mm. which is getting a lot of attention now Mm -hmm. which is uh rather cool um (laughs) super cool which is written about in which we'll get into to the blog post i know she let his uh tick that box (laughs) (laughs) in the recent blog post yeah (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> like a side note, I was reading that blog post before posting it last night yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was reading it out to Damien because my brain was bright and I yeah. was trying to like, you know, make sure there was errors and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I mentioned about the vagus nerve and he was like, what? There's a, there's a nerve in the body called the vagus nerve? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that like actual vagus? <laughs> He was just no, like, that is awesome. You know, it's like, a Vegas nerve. Oh. For so many years, I actually spelt it like Vegas is in Las Vegas, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just used to just do the same thing. And then one day, I saw it written down somewhere, and I was like, good one, Carissa. Yeah. Nailing that one. As <laughs> usual. Whoopsie. It's so actually interesting. On the um, side topic of the Vegas nerve, I am working a lot with a musculoskeletal therapist at the moment, and he does Vegas nerve stimulation, which I find is extremely interesting and what interesting and there's so many ways we can kind of stimulate the vagus nerve to because it's basically for people who don't know what it is it's a nerve basically that connects 
it's the major highway between the brain and the gut and then mm. the gut and the brain. Yeah. And so many have people have a dysfunctional dysfunctional uh, vagus nerve, whether mm. it's too active or not active enough. And we can like find out as nutritionists going through a clinical picture with someone, we can find out whether um, their vagus nerve is overactive or underactive and why that might be. Um, but I've had a lot of – there's a lot of ways that you can actually stimulate the vagus nerve to – work um, better and therefore put you into that state of rest and digest mm. much more because that's what it does as well. Mm. Mm. Um, and then there's there's a actually stimulator that you put in, into your ear that I've been working with this um, musculoskeletal Was this therapist. the one that you showed on yeah, um, my Instagram yeah. a while back? Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But even the results from my, like some of my um, clients have come in and I've literally said, oh my gosh, you are so stressed and anxious mm. and let's just see if uh, your vagus nerve needs some toning down. And so we go and get the thing and they clip it in for half mm. an hour and it's um it's on a specific, t- it's a 10 machine mm. and a specific frequency for a specific kind of, um, I guess, result. Anyway, they put it in their, in a, an area in their ear and they sit there and it feels a bit uncomfortable for them, but they sit there for half an hour. And then straight away, there's not really any result. Once they get it off, they're like, yeah, it feels good to have those things off my ears. Mm. Um, but after that, the things that have been reported are fantastic, like mm. in terms of sleep and just getting um, cool. getting people kind of down-regulated from that high-stress, high-cortisol um, state that everybody is in, it seems to be in at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Don't which... know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> no, you are chill. You are chill. <laughs> What stress? <laughs> Um, I guess which can lead us on to, I guess, our next little bit of this podcast, which is um, how stress can influence mental health. And Mm. before we get to the gut part of things, um, just stress-wise and hormonally, how that long-term stress and being in that long-term, you know, system of fight, flight, freeze, which, yeah, so many of us are stuck in. So um, many people are And stuck don't know in. how to get out of. That really, really inf- can influence um, mental health state in people, especially those who are more, I guess, predispositioned to it, mm-hmm. different personality types, different um, genetic backgrounds, yep. different, genes. Yeah, different gene mm. mutations, things like that, um, which people don't know they have no. either. No. So, you know, it's like how, you know, it's two people, um, you know, can be faced with the exact same situation, a stressful situation. One person can easily get through mm. it and be like, that was that was stressful but it was fine. fine. One person mm. will just completely break down yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, it'll, it'll their, response, them. their response is just, yeah, so, um, so, so different. And mm. that's the same thing compared from one person to the next. Like obviously, we're all different. But, mm. yeah, I guess I, the reason I'm so passionate about mental health is because I've suffered from um, – pretty severe depression myself and when I go back being a practitioner you know I'm constantly looking at the things that have affected my life you know Mm -hmm. my journey and why did I get so depressed and I'm talking you know um on and off suffering but for a few years and almost been hospitalized being on antidepressants um my poor partner had to deal with so much um and I don't know how he got he dealt with it dealt with it really (laughs) poor thing but anyway that's why I'm marrying him in two months. Um, <laughs> he, anyway, so and I think my when I look back, I think I definitely have like I'm one of these people who have those genetic predisposition. Like my yeah, there's a lot of depression. I know same with you. There's a lot of depression in my family. Um, and so if I did a genetic test, I know that I would have mm. you know gene mutations oh, that hands down. would predispose me to that. Um, but that's what I was talking about. Like some people are wired. We're all wired we're, differently. Yeah, we're wired mm. so differently. Yeah, yeah. and um, 
And it's it, interesting, like, what manifested for you as depression manifested for me as anxiety. Exactly, like, and exactly. And it's just interesting that... That's, it's yeah. great. And I'm, I'm less of, like, I have suffered um, anxiety, yeah. but it, it was much more that depression. Yeah, and um, I was the total opposite. Yeah. Like, and, I, and I know even when I'm chatting with my clients about it, some clients will have both, like exactly yeah. what you said before, but more, more, more often than not, I'll be like, do you experience anxiety more or the depression more? And some people will be like, no, I just get really low. I don't get much anxiety mm. or yeah. the total opposite. No, I'm definitely more anxious. Yeah. Yeah. And so much is, of that is our neurochemical wiring, mm. yeah. our stress, our genetics. Like it, there's so yeah. much in that and it's why there's not one size fits all approach. Oh. Absolutely for, not. For everyone when it comes to treating mental health, like we're so mm. bio-individual. That's and, it. And our triggers are going to be different. Our stress response is going to be different. Yeah. Our food requirements are different. Yeah, exactly. It's just if you try to treat, so fascinating. If you try to treat two people for Imagine if like severe depression. however many years ago you and I were going through the same thing at the yeah. same time and we were both tried, someone tried to treat us the same way. Mm. Like so it just, true. it wouldn't work. Yeah. Like, and I mean, even like... It's so interesting, even looking at people's responses to substances and to, um, you know, even alcohol and drugs and looking at a person's um, response to, for example, an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I know personally I tried um, an SSRI, which is a certain type of uh, medication, which worked for me for a very short period of time and then stopped working mm-hmm. and I know this is very common um, and then I changed to an SNRI mm. which uh, works on more noradrenaline yeah. which then plays into the fact that that you know worked really well for me and mm-hmm. I know now looking at it um, and how knowing what I do know now it's because I had a very like my stress and my ang- oh, not anxiety my cortisol was a huge part to play in my mm-hmm. big kind of um, episode I guess my major episode of depression that I had was um, when I look back over the years or 18 months I guess prior to my big um, episode of depression I look at wow I was so stressed mm, and I was yeah. so but it was such a chronic stress that I was a highly functioning stress mm. stressed person and I was getting a lot done but mentally I was stressed but it was more like I changed jobs I started I started um, PT, I left my, my office job, a full-time, you know, um, uh, salary, and then I started PT, started my own business um, and all that, obviously stressful. And then I went from literally being, having like no clients to, and like struggling, being like, how am I going to actually make this work, to all of a sudden, within six months, being completely booked up and overwhelmed, I guess, mm. and I loved it and I loved what I did, mm-hmm. absolutely loved it. But um, I was doing like just 14, 15-hour days every single day and burning yeah. the candle at both ends. And anybody um, will, you know, suffer after a period of time with oh, that. But so like I just thought, oh, this is this is great, you know, just keep going, it's fine. And then to the point where I just got so fatigued, so, so fatigued. Again, I've, you know, I've got things in my past. I've had a lot of viral infections. I've had, for example, Epstein-Barr virus. I've had a few other big viral infections, which I know can make me more, you know, prone to that chronic fatigue and that tiredness mm. as well. But it was the depression um, that really, really threw me. And so I was having all these symptoms. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I was I was um, so, so down and I just couldn't get myself out of it. Um, and, yeah, I think that's why I'm so, so passionate about it and I'm, I've got myself out of it with mm-hmm. the help of, I guess, this holistic approach, which is mm-hmm. why I know that this kind yeah, of 100%. what we do really does work and food Matters. is such <laughs> a huge thing, you know, yeah. like just in terms of levels of inflammation and, you yeah. know, 
Yeah. And gut function. Like I know anyone that's listened to the podcast before and I've talked about even my anxiety journey, like so much of for me, apart from taking the hormone factor into yeah. consideration, was was food mm-hmm. and yeah. balancing meals properly and learning what types of foods were potential inflammatory mm-hmm. foods for me, exactly what Em was just saying, and which ones are not. Like there's just there's mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. in it that is just mm-hmm. like and it's so not true. it should be common knowledge and it's it's mm-hmm. starting no. to get there, but it's not. It's just like, oh you're depressed, it happens, you've got other depressed people in your family mm. here's some pills mm. Mm. like it's interesting even with clients that come in again not even thinking about their mental health and you're working on their gut which is often such a big area that mm. we're working with and after even three or four weeks they're coming back in and besides gut symptoms they're saying to you i just I, feel better like yeah, i just besides don't feel as energy, anxious anymore yeah like, often yeah. it's like i, I feel, feel less calmer. anxious i'm sleeping mm. better yeah, like a massive, massive factor yeah. for mental yeah. health yeah. yeah like you see those correlations really yeah. quickly when you're essentially working on the gut yeah yeah, yeah. and know? sometimes you know like they because we like obviously all of us here will definitely ask about anxiety depression mm. how we people handle their stress but it really is just like something we just watch as a byproduct of working on people's mm. gut unless they specifically come in for yeah. anxiety and definitely the next time you see it and it's one of the questions i always ask yeah are you still feeling as anxious mm. are you sleeping better or is your sleep mm. changing it's amazing just the difference without even getting into like the biochemical side of things that we're going to talk about with this test, like how much you can change from a physiological mm. point of view mm. just with food. Yeah. Like, yes. Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like people like that are the, the big kind of inflammatory foods that we know, you know, like mm. for example, a lot of like gluten and wheat and dairy for, mm. for some people are really inflammatory and mm. they don't realise it and they don't think that they have a problem with certain mm. foods because they don't have a gut well, uh, reaction straight away. That's such exactly. an interesting point because for me that was one of the biggest things. Like, yes, I wouldn't say I had really bad gut function. Like yeah. when I was anxious, mm. I probably, if anything, I was probably a little bit constipated and maybe a bit mm. bloated but nothing that at the time, like now I know that's not normal, but at the time would have been considered IBS or anything. Mm. But pulling gluten out of my diet was one of the most mm. profound things that changed my mental health yeah. like just in terms of how I thought how I felt those sort of low drops between the peaks of anxiety like just it, so just that clarity in your thought yep. process yep. like see that a lot too with children like yeah, with clients who oh, come yeah. in bringing their children and they're bringing them in for behavioral issues yeah, more yeah. than anything and you see mm. that relationship back often yeah. to gluten yeah um often with children unfortunately a lot yeah. more celiac based mm. Mm. Yeah. diagnosis but yeah. so commonly mm. they're having behavioral issues and being diagnosed whether it be adhd or anything you know anything spectrum, within yeah. that spectrum mm. and often um dietary changes mm. are making these profound shifts mm. in their mental health well i did like when i was finishing my degree i did a whole like you had we had to do like it was a research thesis at the end on mm. a question and you ask a research question oh, yeah. And I did. I actually did mine on, and just the stuff I came across about the gut and everything was profound. But my question was: in, in children in, within the autism spectrum, does the removal of gluten and casein, the protein in milk, have any effect on behavior? Mm. Is there does mm. it that exert any behavioral changes? And the amount of research that was pro that mm-hmm. honestly but even down to like the biochemical functioning of the gut in terms of genetically what these children have in terms of disaccharides it's like mm-hmm. their enzymes and stuff that break down carbohydrates genetically they're wired 
there's snippets and stuff on these enzymes that make them not mm. function as well. Yeah. And there's, you know, so you can see how in behavioral stuff, like these big, you know, macromolecules mm. aren't getting broken down. And of mm. course, that's going to be irritating to the gut wall. And mm-hmm. Yeah. And with kids, it's really interesting because they, they're not like adults. They can't actually a lot of the time verbalize yeah. what they're feeling. They can't mm. say I'm feeling really depressed or that I don't even probably mm. know what that, fe- you know, what no. that, how mm. does, how to kind of, um, take that out but it's um so therefore it can't be like a placebo kind of effect when you when you make a change um and it's more just their behavior that you notice uh completely changes but people think especially with gluten and um and with casein intolerances it's not that you know with lactose it's like okay i feel that straight away Mm. i need to go to the toilet you know really quickly usually whereas with casein it's like a more systemic systemic thing that you don't really notice um and you know there's these little clues that your body's giving out but a lot Mm. of people are so busy and so stressed they can't they just don't pay attention Mm. and that's another thing it's like listening to your body but really really looking at um i say to clients have you ever had a period of even like four weeks of no gluten in your diet whatsoever Mm. and People have not had that period mm. ever well, in their lives. Months they need I'm exactly like four weeks is near. But even four, four weeks, like so people true. go, like even a week. Like, you know? This isn't this, like Emma's not saying just okay. Let's pull the gluten containing grains out. This is check everything that's going into your mouth that could potentially mm. claim yep. contain gluten or a byproduct of gluten. Mm. Remove that for a month minimum and see what yep. changes digestively, yep. emotionally. You know, it just like, like brain fog, brain fog like yeah, just, yeah. you know, yeah. aches and pains and just joint yeah. problems and so much. Yeah. But people don't realize that that's how they're meant. Like they can feel so much better than they actually feel. And yeah. they just think, oh, this is my normal. Yeah. And this is just what's going on. And mental and mental health included. Utilize- <coughs> and utilize- <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, can, can I speak? Can I speak? <laughs> 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 just to imitate a spinning noise. Thing. <laughs> I can't <laughs> <laughs> oh, <cute. laughs> I was going to say utilising the testing, yes. not the test that we're about to talk about again. Carissa's lost it. She's visiting me as a camel spitting. I know that's what's going on. That would have been so funny. I've got a crazy imagination, guys. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to point out because we're talking about gluten oh, being God. so problematic, right? Mm. But testing again, like if people are unsure, particularly with their kids, yes, there's, we've talked about this in a previous mm. podcast. There's celiac testing, but there's also gluten intolerance mm. testing. So, you know, the tests are there. There's elimination protocol, which mm. you should do in unison with a practitioner. Yeah. Um, but without question, like user functional testing, it's there to help guide you. Yeah. Um, but let's, speaking of testing, let's move on because we've, dropped a few hints um about <laughs> <this> <laughs> test. <laughs> so we're um we're referring to something called the oats test which we've all been kind of losing our crap over a little bit lately and nerding out haven't we yeah, it's pretty cool which test. is the organic acid test so the reason we're um talking about this in regards to mental health um is because that it gives us overall really good picture of how you're functioning um, in saying that this test is something that we would use outside of mental health, we'd probably use mm. it in a lot of different yeah. environments, yeah. but essentially what we're doing is measuring your organic acid metabolites through urine. And that's giving us an idea if there's dysfunction in the body. So the way to think about it is that we might have a 
a blockage somewhere where we're seeing too much of an um, excretion metabolite in the urine. So we might be measuring and be like, oh, there's too much of this. So that tells us one thing. Or the blockage might cause that pathway, biochemical pathway, to shoot off in a direction it shouldn't be going and give us um, a measurement in a a metabolite as well. So it, it tends to go down two different pathways most of the time, but essentially that blockage in that pathway will create a metabolite that we measure through the urine and it tells us we fundamentally have a problem with this biochemical process. So that can then, the way this test is done, it will break up um, into different areas where we can look at your digestion um, and we can measure yeast. um, Ostridium. Yes, we can, well, Yes, definitely. We can we can do all of those different yeast markers, and then we can move through into yep, clostridium, bacteria. So a really good picture of the gut, right? Excellent can, picture of the gut, actually. <laughs> we can look at um, which is really cool, by the way, because it's a urinary test, exactly. not, not a poo test. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. which so, people love. But yeah. people are like bit, a bit wigged out by that. They're like, yeah. how do they get? How do you get that information from? We, we, you're right. <laughs> exactly. And what I love about the oats test too is that with the stool testing, the yeast isn't as um, easy to always capture. Mm. Like you can't often culture the yeast as effectively as you can with the bacteria. Whereas mm. with the um, oats test, it's a lot more specific for telling us if there's a yeast issue, particularly if it's quite a um, systemic yeast mm, issue. Yeah. And it will tell us as practitioners whether it's more of a yeast issue or whether there might be mold issues, which is really important mm. when it comes mm. to mental health. Yeah. Um, and then with our bacteria, it will certainly give us an idea of overgrowth and point us in the direction, but it won't tell us like a stool test, particular types or strains. Yeah. Um, The clostridium, as you mentioned, is really important for mental health because obviously if we're seeing some high markers there, it can come back and influence some of those neurotransmitter pathways. Sure can. So we can really get a good picture of the Mm. gut um, there. Then it moves on further and we can look at, I don't know if you guys want to take over and talk talk a little bit more about it because I'm just like breaking on down the test, but we've got the oxalates, Oxalates, um, which obviously, (laughs) you keep going, I'll get into the, I'll go into the citric acid cycle. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the oxalates um, are really cool because essentially they're telling us whether we might need to make some changes with your diet, but also they'll give us more information related back to the gut. So yeah. if we see things raise there, we're like, okay, there's obviously something going on, usually more with a yeast issue. So we can kind of tie that all in together. Yeah. So definitely a really good test for the gut and yeah. understanding that relationship with how the bacterial yeast um, slash mold situation may be influencing your neurotransmitter function yeah. and beyond. And yeah. just yeast, like overgrowth, yeast within themselves, and overgrowth can become so systemic that it can literally affect every part of your body, you know, mm. like as in it affects, it can affect your joints and, and um, oxalates can affect, oh, that, you know, give joint, joint yeah. pain. But then it can also, mental health-wise, having a yeast overgrowth is so um, important to detect because, and, and kind of like treat because it can literally, it can give depression, anxiety mm. and, you know, through that chain mm. of neurotransmitters. But it's crazy what it can do, brain fog. Yeah. Yes. yeah. You just yeah. feel yeah. generally so really unwell and for a lot of the time people yeah. don't know why despite yeah. 
despite testing. And even like on that note, like in terms of like the yeast affecting neurotransmitters, like it's pretty important to know that like our most of our neurotransmitters, like a good eighty to ninety percent of them, that their beginning formations happen with our gut. Mm. And and a healthy functioning gut. And exactly like Emma was saying before, like our gut we've kind of got our gut mucosal layer and then through that we've got a bit of an immune layer and then outside of all of our gut wall is where like our vagus nerve has all these little neurons and endings that kind of attach into our gut wall. So our gut bacteria are basically directly, you know, sending messages to mm. those vagus nerve endings. And that vagus nerve, the messages travel up the vagus nerve to our CNS, mm. which is our central nervous system. Mm. So what's going on in our gut and what's going on from a serotonin and a neurotransmitter point of view in our gut and from a micro point of view in our gut is directly getting relayed up to our brain. Mm -hmm. So this mm. is where the it becomes really, really cool when talking about conditions that really directly involve neurotransmitters. Um in their formation and stuff. I can't mm. remember. I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the vagus nerve, I'm um, speaking of, you know, mm. I think of it as a highway. And yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just it. like, and it's actually a highway like from brain to gut and gut to brain. But, you know, this highway is actually much more, it's much more busy and yeah. congested from gut to brain. Yeah. Mm. So it's actually the gut is sending the brain so many signals and that's why, you know, when we do have a gut feeling, it is, you know, not yeah, just... a gut. It's not it's, just a made-up thing. Yeah, mm. it's not. It's actually, yeah, your brain as well... Yeah. I, I explain it to people like everyone's seen Avatar and mm. you kind of have like the Avatar tree and yeah. you know when they all join hands and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and then they all communicate their energy up to this tree. Yeah. Like think of the, all the little blue people joining hands yeah. like you got microbes yeah. and then they relay all this energy up to the Avatar That's tree. It's this really cool... Upside down world. Do you remember me telling you that a few weeks yes. ago about? Oh. Um, oh God, now I've forgotten the name of the show. What's it called? Oh no, you I know the name too. Yeah. The basically, it's like it was on Netflix, a yeah. TV show, and oh, like there's yeah. they call it the upside down world. So you've got reality, and then underneath. When you flip it, is like this alternate it wasn't reality. Or something. Oh, straight! It'll come to me in a minute while you guys are talking. <laughs> but essentially, <laughs> there's these creatures, and they kind of reach up and through oh from the goodness. from the upside down world into reality. And they remind me of like dendrites. That's what I was saying. Dendri like dendritic dendri cells yeah. just reaching. If out. only we. This is like filmed right now. Jess is doing the funniest Jess movement. Is pretty much. I, I should have my phone. We should be insta storing this podcast with your freaky fingers. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, God. That was... <laughs> I was actually just thinking how nice they look today. Like, I'm like oh, Emma's got her nails painted. Her hands look so nice. And then you've just done the finger thing. <laughs> you've just wrecked it. I do have really long, gangly fingers. <laughs> oh, dear. Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger you. Things. Stranger Things. Great. I'm oh, going to watch Stranger that. Things, that's right. So yeah. good. I'm going to anyway, watch it. Just imagine you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> So the rest, that people are interested in without us nerding yeah, out yeah. too much and boring them. Okay, boom, so the, boom. The other part of it is we've already <laughs> talked about neurotransmitters, so it will give you urinary metabolites of all of those. So the Dutch test that we've talked about in the past before that we freaking love as well does do some of the basic neurotransmitters and some B vitamin metabolites. And the beauty of the oats test is it does all of it. It doesn't mm -hmm. just pick a few of the organic acid markers and look at them. We look, we can see what's going on with your serotonin and your dopamine pathways, your adrenaline, your noradrenaline mm -hmm. pathways. We can see what all your B vitamins are doing as a collective or individually, but how they how you're utilizing and excreting their um, breakdowns as a collective. We can look at 
your citric acid cycle, which is really, really cool, or the Krebs cycle, depending on what people call it. But this is actually our energy cycle, and this happens in every cell of our body. And this is basically how we're kind of functioning almost at that almost at that mitochondrial level, yeah, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, like, yeah. And for those of you who don't know what mitochondria are, these are little powerhouses of our cell. Like picture a hamster in a wheel churning stuff. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like, always, yeah. Yeah, that's how I explain yeah, it. I picture like a monkey in a circus, just like <laughs> 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 These guys are your basic, at a cellular level, how you get energy. Mm, and if, yeah. that, if there is like dysfunction within that cycle, and there's so many intermediate states of that mm, cycle to mm. make it work, and, they, and so many of the conversions from one part to the next part to the next part of the wheel are all um, nutrient dependent. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. So if you have nutrient de- core nutrient deficiencies, whether it be from diet or gut inflammation or yeast overgrowth or anything like that, or genetically you just don't collect nutrients the mm. same way someone mm. else does or metabolize in the same way someone else does, at that core energy making level, you will start to see like bottlenecks in these pathways or mm. buildups in one parts where it's not converting through to the other. The monkey falls off the treadmill. The, mon- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wheels turning but the hips is dead again. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is why this is so cool. We're not just looking at your gut and your neurotransmitters. We're looking at it on a cellular level how you're making and producing mm. your energy. And how they all relate back and to how one they another. All relate so back to each all other. of those things we've just describe are all interrelated and we can use that test to look at where there's dysfunction but how they're speaking to each other which is so vital so we can get a really true understanding of what's happening with you it Mm. also looks at detoxification markers Mm. which is a big one for us how you and then a lot of this in the same breath as well can point us back to genetic variances so obviously yeah. we're going to get into genetics and stuff like that in a couple of podcasts once i get my act together and do my gene testing <laughs> but obviously like there's a lot of genetic variances will impact this and this test will obviously give us a bit of an idea as well there what sort of genes that we need to be looking at in mm-hmm. terms of detoxification in terms of neurotransmitter formation and all of that stuff so basically when you kind of look at the test as a whole it gives you a bit of an, like a really not even an overview, but a very intensive look at how the body is functioning at a, at a whole, at a, as a whole, at a mm. biochemical level. Mm-hmm. And it's really freaking cool. And every mm. single one of those things that we can, of those markers that mm. we get, like they're all relatable back to mental health. Yeah. So even looking at like detoxification, if we're not detoxing properly. We've got toxic buildup. We've toxic like, buildup. Yeah. We mental, like crap. You know, gut we've already talked about. Neurotransmitters are obvious. Um, and then it, um, the citric acid, you know, energy. and energy can exp- help explain, you know, why you might feel so damn yeah, fatigued. Yeah, um, exactly. And like, yeah, what might be going on there? Because it's such a vicious cycle. Like, so even though we've just like sound like we've just dumped a whole heap of stuff on you guys, like the sounds a bit nerdy and sciencey, and we love it. Just pulling that back from a clinical perspective, like a lot of the times you have, we have clients sitting in front of us, and they genuinely want to feel better. They know mm. that exercise will make them feel mm. better, and that will make them, you know, feel happier in the head. And they know that eating better, but they just don't have the energy and the yeah. motivation oh, to my do goodness. it. Yeah. So getting back and looking at why you're maybe not having the energy to get up and do stuff or you don't have that motivation can come back to your dopamine pathways, what mm. your citric acid or Krebs mm. cycle is doing at that real core level. Mm. So there's, there's, it gets really cool. Like you yeah. Can, and yeah. like from a personal point of view, I remember when I was going through the depths of my depression and I was seeing a psychiatrist at that point um, and I remember going – uh, I was so tired and I was just like, but so depressed, but so tired at the same time. Obviously, I was now I know I was adrenally like completely mm-hmm. gone. But I back then, before I'd studied anything to do with nutrition, um, I was just like, I, I remember vividly saying to her, 
why am I so tired? Like mm. I literally could not get through a day without napping. Um, and I just was on living off coffee, which was mm. just continually feeding, you know, giving mm. me adrenaline and cortisol, which I needed because um, I was so low. And she, all she could say was, it'll pass when the depression passes. Mm. And that's, and I, to my brain, I was just like, no, there's something like, <laughs> you're full. What is going on with my body? And I just wanted more answers. And I wish I could have done this test back mm, then to yeah, find out, to yeah. give me answers because I just wasn't, I wasn't happy with her response. And well, interesting now that, I know it's so much yeah. more involved. And it's interesting that you and I, like journey-wise, have both been through a similar sort of story in terms mm. of like, I guess we both wouldn't settle with mainstream answers, which no. we're, we're lucky that I guess we have curious mm. minds and we, oh, yeah. we did go and seek out our own our own answers in terms of finding out what the freak was going on with our bodies. But I was told the same thing. It's just like here, just I, I actually didn't take an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication. I just like I didn't, but I, I mm. wasn't depressed. I felt mm. like I, it's, they're different things and people do different things. It's not who's, you know, someone should take something or not yeah. take something. It's just that I know the same thing was given, to, like the same answer was like it will pass or it'll just go in cycles and you'll have mm. to live with this for the rest of your life. Oh. And like so Ems was like she couldn't get out of bed. I could get out of bed. I just couldn't leave the freaking house. <laughs> <laughs> You're one step ahead of me, girlfriend. <laughs> I got to the front door and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't laugh about it. But like it's a horrible, horrible place to be and we've both been yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and I think like this is why I guess why we are both so passionate about we've, we've walked this road. Yeah. Absolutely. so intensely and we know how freaking debilitating and awful it can be but we also know that there's so much power in what the human body can do and food and nutrition and lifestyle and nutrient interventions and yeah. understanding what individualized the bo- treatment. and individualized <laughs> yeah. treatment because both of our journeys were so different and yeah. yeah in terms of getting and look at us both now freaking flying <laughs> <laughs> killing it killing it <laughs> so let's talk about the package because the package yeah, kind of brings like, this shut up you two oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> brings this all together um we've just literally dropped um a package which hot we've off the put press. together hot off the press you'll find it on the blog um and the package is called what is it called em i've um, forgotten healthy body yeah, I, wrote, I wrote it at about <laughs> nine o'clock last night I forgot. and i came up with it i'm like what's it called again? yeah i meant to message you back and i was like yeah that sounds we, good um, i forgot to had lots of thrown around topics as far as <laughs> the the best. there were some pretty interesting ones that's not healthy body, healthy match <laughs> <gasps> oh, but, anyway. Yeah, realistically, what we've done is we've put together a really fantastic package, which is primarily looking at mental health yep. and everything that we've talked about today. Um, it involves the oat testing, which we've also discussed, um, and it runs over three different consultations yeah, so with you- one of the nutritionists here at the clinic. Um, and as usual, always encompasses that individualized treatment and assessment putting the testing process into practice um, and then essentially devising a protocol really specific and individualized for you, nutritional planning, um, support with the uh, private Facebook group, you name it, it's all there. Yeah. Um, have I missed anything about it? I don't think no, so. Like so but, yeah. but yeah, I just wanted to quickly add, the reason we were kind of thinking about this package in the first place is because we're, well, in Australia, we're coming into winter. Well, yes. It's pretty much winter. So I know that Queensland a lot of... Winter. Queensland winter. <laughs> which, yeah, isn't winter for a lot of other people. But, you know, it's colder, you know, the days get shorter, it's darker. People just become generally on the whole a little bit more down 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that can, uh, that, this affects people in different ways and some people have, like, seasonal affective disorder, which is much more serious. But, you know, um, I do find as a whole um, people feel a little bit more depressed. Um, so we kind of were starting to talk about that and then we thought, well, it's a great time to introduce a package mm. like this yeah, um, out, of the, out of the year. Yeah. yeah, it certainly is that time, isn't it? Mm. And it is something that's very near and dear to all of us. Like I think we, we do spend a lot of time dealing with this in the clinic, but we haven't wholeheartedly mm. focused on it in terms mm. of a package. Like we, We've done hormones and gut and we love yeah. those two areas, but as what we're always dealing with as a byproduct of that in the clinic is we're mm. constantly dealing with mental health yeah. for people. Mm. So yeah. and it's only getting it's only, yeah mm. it's only getting worse. Yeah, because we're just crazy society with so much stress and there's just yeah. yeah. Actually, that's that's probably one last thing I want to point out that you said, Em, is that mm. um, that whole concept of being a high functioning stress person mm. because it's something that we see all the time with yeah. clients and I'm. I'm really careful now about the language I use with people to describe stress because when you ask people if they're stressed, they'll think about it from more of a negative connotation of like being like um, stressed by whether it's like bullying at work or like negative things happening within their life um, and associating it with almost more of like a depressive thought about stress Mm, as well. Um, That classic sort of stereotype, you Mm. know, I'm sad and, you know, all those sorts of things. but. Most people are chronically stressed, but they are still functioning very, very well. So it's that whole like extreme hours at work, Mm. no lunch breaks, go, 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 home, pick up up the kids, back into work, dinner, like hamster wheel, just go, go, go all the time. And that high functioning stress, most people don't understand that that is actually chronic stress. It is. So they don't, they don't get it. And it's harder for them to kind of break that apart and look at how that can be affecting their health overall. So I just wanted to kind of highlight that. I think it's a really important way of um, describing it, that we can still be functioning quite, we think quite well. Um, We're still like connecting the dots day to day, but we're still like our stress and our cortisol levels are just through so just either depleted or um, yeah. completely through the roof and, and having these profound effects on our health. That's it. Our people, like our bodies literally think when we're in that state, our bodies literally think that we are about to fight a tiger, you know, <laughs> or about to, you know, go into battle. Or, yeah. You know, that's what our body's telling us with our, um, you know, extreme levels of cortisol and adrenaline. And our bodies can only take that. Everyone's mm. different, but our bodies can only take that for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. No one can survive off that forever. And what happens is the body starts mm-hmm. to then deplete. And then you go down that mm. path of what I did. So, you know, you just completely burnt out. Us. And then the mental health side of things kicks in for some mm-hmm. people too. So, um, yeah, people go, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm working out twice a day, that's fine, you know, and, and that's and another stress. I'm working days and I've got kids and I'm running a family and I'm doing all that and just like, I'm just like, whoa, like, yeah. like you, yeah, it's, but it is, it's society now too. Yeah. Like I think that's, that's normal and unless, I think I did a post on this on my Facebook page that um, I can't even remember exactly what the wording of it was, but there was this really cool saying, it was like, how are we to be fully human? Like mm. when, it was something about just when we're, when we're so damn mm. busy. And it's just because it's just normal now that mm. if, it's like, if you're not seen as busy, you're not, yeah. you're, you're not, not successful. You're not, not successful. about it. There's and become that's this just real entrepreneurship crazy. sort of look yeah. at it where particularly through social media, it's like the busy you are. And the more high functioning like are, the more yeah, the hustle, yeah. Yeah. hustle, sleep when you're dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. sleep fast, die pretty. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, like, yeah. you know, coffee first. Yeah. You know, and all that, like, coffee, yeah. coffee, coffee. Oh, yeah. And I think we made our point. Anyway. anyway, let's wrap it up there. Um, as always, if you guys have questions um, about what we've talked about, particularly mm. with the package that we've talked about, you can head to the blog. Um, you'll find we'll the full details there. We'll posting about it in the next day Yeah, there'll be plenty on our social media. Yeah. Um, but as always, you can email us here at the clinic. You can contact any of us on social media. Um, and if you have any further questions in general about the podcast or yep. any topics that you want us to discuss, you know where to find us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> I just let you do this part every time at the end. I'm just like, you go for it, Jess. You've got this damn pack, baby. <laughs> in iTunes and SoundCloud and leave us a five-star review because that will help other people find us and yep. share us with your friends. Hit that yep. share button. Yeah. Yep. Also, one last thing. We've got one minute. I was thinking this and I've remembered it if I don't say it now I'll forget if you guys um and I'm just going to put it out there without even asking you about it if you guys, <laughs> if you guys have got um some really meaty health conditions um and you've been unsure about what to do about it and you're like oh maybe the GCN clinic can help us out um drop us an email um title it GCN podcast um and what we'll do is we'll look at featuring your case on the podcast show here and discuss it and really look at what we would do from a JCN nutritionist perspective. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I love that. that. You like it? I may have slightly stolen that from the 18th. Because I thought that for so long. I'm like, why don't we talk about client cases? Because I love studies. Case studies. Because people were late. That's me. I know. But we won't be doing it from a product point of view, which is that's like, it's not the same. But, you know, just too, like, just obviously, I feel like people with these chronic media cases have seen other practitioners generally. So, it'd be interesting to see what they've experienced elsewhere and what we would do differently or if we would do stuff the same. Or, yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Nice one, Coxie. I love it. Not just a pretty face. <laughs> but we'll pop that on social media as well. So anyway, we've got a fly. It's 10 o'clock and yep. we've got clients. clients now. They're probably waiting at the door. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. See Thank you later. You. Thanks, See ya. Sam. Bye. Thanks.